This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Coming up on StarTalk, we've got a Cosmic Queries edition all about exoplanets. I've got with me one of the world's experts on that subject, Anjali Tripathi. Welcome to Star Talk. We're going to find out where she came from, where she's been, and where she's going in this world of not only exoplanets, but also as a citizen scientist serving two presidents. Coming up on Star Talk. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. Today is another Cosmic Queries, ever popular format that that is, on the subject of exoplanets. Chuck. Yeah. My co-host, how are you feeling, Chuck? Oh, I'm feeling great, man. Feeling good about the exoplanets? Um, uh, exoplanets are always... Um, uh, fodder for great thought because now we know that there are millions and millions of them. <laughs> They're everywhere. I don't know if the catalog has quite hit that yet. We went from four. <laughs> They're like, maybe there's four. <laughs> <laughs> so I know a little bit about exoplanets, but if we're going to really go in with the cosmic queries, we're bringing the big guns. Yeah. Okay. So we combed the landscape and we found Anjali. Tripathi, Anjali, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. You, uh, you in your professional life, not only uh, did original work on exoplanets, you were also found yourself, either on purpose or otherwise, at the intersection between science and society. So I want to get to that in just a minute. Right now, you're a research associate at NASA's JPL, Lovely. which Chuck stands for what? Um, I believe... Judy Paulson uh, lingerie. Oh, that's right. Judy Paulson's <laughs> lingerie. It's all the rage. No. That's usually classified. Why'd you let that one that out? That was classified so. information. 
Yeah. Uh, awesome Jet Propulsion Labs. The Jet Propulsion Labs in Pasadena, California. California. Yes. And this, it's not only a branch of NASA. They collaborate and are basically on the campus of Caltech, right? Yeah. I am a Caltech employee. Right, right. So who signs your checks? Is it Caltech? It Caltech? is Caltech. Um, wow. Okay. There it is. But you yeah. still have NASA overlords. I do. I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> Uh, you know who we had on Star Talk just when she just started right. was the director of, of JPL, yeah. who is Lori Leshin. Lori Leshin. She and I served on a, a commission to study the future of NASA. Well, we, we were both appointed by President George W. Bush. Nice. And said she went on to great things. And I, I, I and you, um, <laughs> you got stuck so with me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what a shame. Oh. But you can dig the Lori Leshen episode out of our archives. That's a, That was fun. Right. Uh, I wanted to get to her before NASA got to her. Because, you know, NASA, they get they want to over-control the, the interviews. And, but she and I go way back. Right. So there was an interval where, let's just rock and roll this. Exactly. Right? Just say what you think. Think what you feel. Yeah. Put well, it. you're not going to be able to do that with Anjali because NASA is still controlling her. <laughs> Sorry. I got the NASA handguns yeah. on. Okay. okay. No, no. We'll, we'll figure something out here. So, um. At, at JPL, what are your primary concerns? Uh, I like thinking about what can we see from space, right? So what can you see when you look up at exoplanets and other worlds? And also looking down here on Earth and how we can improve life here on it. You know, people, when they think of space exploration, they don't always think that from space you can see Earth right. as a planet. Exactly. And monitor what's going on and how we doing, you know. So this this seems to be a really important feature of what NASA can deliver the public. Yeah. Something folks always get wrong. You ask them, what's our most studied planet at NASA? And they go, Mars. And you go, wrong. <laughs> and you think, it's Earth. And nobody realizes that. Exactly. So you still have roots back where you got your PhD? I do. Yeah, I'm a research associate at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Okay. All right. So tell, tell me, before we get back into exoplanets, because that's where we got all the questions are based on those. Yes, they are. Uh, just uh, your, the science and society part of your life, how did that begin? So being a valley girl, you know, we had an earthquake in the 90s and I had to move out of my house for a year. And the people who come on TV, for those of you who've had the pleasure of earthquakes, it's a seismologist who comes and tells you what's going to happen. And I thought, scientists can come and tell you what's going to happen next and right. sort of save things. I want to do that. And then I learned that seismology and geophysics and physics are important, but they don't save the world in the same way. And so thinking about how you can find connections between science and serving... You know why they don't save the world? Because they only bring the geologists on after, after the, the earthquake. <laughs> after exactly. the earthquake. Exactly. Not just before the earthquake. After the earthquake. It's true. Okay. Yeah. They're saving nobody. That's a okay. doggone shame because, like, <laughs> when do we really need them? We just got some readings in. <laughs> That's when we need them. <laughs> Whereas with the astronomers, we're like, that eclipse, get ready. It's coming in six months. Okay. It's so total really predictive fun. powers. Yeah. All right. So now what? So, okay. So you, the urge doesn't make the reality. So what happened? I mean, I was lucky enough. I went and served in two administrations. President Obama brought me in as a White oh, House she was, fellow. She was lucky. Wow. That, that was just luck. I was going to say. That, that was just luck. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to talk about the bribes. I <laughs> served in two administrations. That's funny. I used to serve at Wendy's. <laughs> I was Wendy's manager. And I served for, <laughs> two, for, two, for two, two tours of duty. Two tours of duty. <laughs> Wait, so who, who was Thank your... Thank you for your service. <laughs> So who was your first president? Uh, well, I mean, I was born a while ago when lady doesn't reveal her age, but of the two administrations... We're going to triangulate on that if you give us <laughs> enough information. Uh, president Obama. President Obama, oh, okay. okay. 
And so what in what capacity were you serving so in the White House? I uh, came in serving uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, thinking about climate change. You know, it doesn't matter why your soil is dry. You got to right. get things to grow. That's right. Is there a relationship between the Department of Agriculture and the Environmental Protection Agency? I mean, so I was working on food waste, right, which is something that both care about, right? Big deal. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, your apple that you don't eat right. turns into methane, methane. greenhouse gas, yes, right? Yes, without a doubt. So. so how does the Obama administration connect you to agriculture? What is that pathway? Uh, you know, where else would you put an astrophysicist in government? Wait, what was your, what you, what was your title? I was a White House fellow. Oh, you didn't say that. Okay. Right. A White House fellow. And so you have these science fellows at the White House. So the White House fellows are actually, I was the only scientist. Oh, right? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So it's a group about 16 in my class, right? So one of them is now a congresswoman. We've got all kinds of folks, a lot from the military and business and law. The idea is you go and you serve a cabinet secretary as a senior advisor. Because the cabinet reports to the president. Right. So this Correct. is still a White House thing. Exactly. So the secretary of agriculture then became yeah, exactly. your Exactly, right. Who reports to the president and you were working with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that you get a PhD studying exoplanets. So you're thinking about planets, looking at them from afar. Right. And then Earth and agriculture becomes Earth that you're thinking about from afar. So what kind of NASA or astronomical insights can you offer the Department of Agriculture? Well, I mean, I want it to be more down-to-earth, let's be honest, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is just that, you know, you can see so much more from satellites than you can with a guy— Walking around with a mule. Right. (laughs) Hey, they offered to send me to estimator school where they said, you're going to walk a certain number of paces in a cornfield, pick the second ear of corn you see, and count the diameter and across. And that's how we estimate the crop yields in America. We still, to this day, don't use satellite— Technology for the government predictions that's on crop yields, which is green acres. That, what? I was what? Crazy. that's crazy. <laughs> you got Arnold the pig exactly. predicting the weather. Like hey. what? Hey man, uh, so how big is your corn? <laughs> like, like that's crazy. It's quantitative. You count. Yeah. You know? But I mean, it's one of those things that it's really useful for all the companies that come in because then it's calibrated ground truth. Okay. Right? Okay. Right. I, mean, I mean, in a way, it makes sense. Yeah. So now, but but isn't it much better to look at because you can see from space, you can actually see soil conditions. You can see the the crop yields themselves. There, are, I mean, how dry it is. How dry yeah, yeah. you can mm-hmm. see. You know, is there's so much more information you can get from looking down from above. So, is what's going on with that? <laughs> I mean, and so to your question, right? There is tons of NASA data that looks at the soil moisture. It looks at sort of the different vegetation, and that's all publicly available both to the agriculture department and anybody else. And to the so. person pacing cornfields. Right. Correct. It's available to them. Right. But maybe they need a job. Exactly. The farmer needs a job. <laughs> I don't know. So, no, so I'm intrigued by this. So, okay, so that was a tour of duty. It went across the administrations. That's right. And But then you ended up, you told me offline, you ended up at the Office of Science and Technology Policy, nice. which is the executive branch that oversees the budget for science in the United States. Wow. For science, yeah. For science, right. And so what were you doing there? Writing about, hey, what are we investing in? What are the people and the programs? And I figured that we added the word American in front of everything we want to do. So we wanted American health, right? We wanted Not just health. American health. That was smart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is brilliant. Because oh. when you look at Congress, America, 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 you should have made it that. If, instead if I, of American. If you got to spell it right. Apostrophe M-U-R-I-C-A. America. They didn't teach me that one in my spelling classes. You know. Okay, so that was clever. And so now more people 
of course, we all can take ownership of it. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it was, I will say, coming in to a new administration, it's kind of crazy. Your hard drives get wiped. Everything is gone. You're starting fresh a little bit. And uh, lots of opportunity to learn. So whether you wanted me to have that opportunity or not. But I think, you know, we did some good stuff. But would you have normally been discarded between administrations? No. How did, oh, how did you stay on? So White House fellows have a one-year appointment that's fixed. And so started August of 2016, went to so August of 2017. Oh, you started at the end of the Obama administration. I did. Oh, so you crossover. You, I got were, you were a part of the transition. I was, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. So at the time, you told me again offline that you knew I was on a Pentagon board yeah. at the time. How did you know about that? Because I, I go into five-sided buildings. I can handle that, not just four-sided ones. Okay, so. right on. Excuse I'm, me, go it. Five, how, hey. how many five-sided buildings do you know? I don't know, because I work at the Hexagon. <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's top secret. That's, that's, <laughs> Why do you think the telescopes have these hexagonal mirrors, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah the, 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 the mirror segments of JWST are hexagonal. That's right. So that's a that's top secret nobody knows about except for you. There you go, that's right. But and we, You know where we came up with that idea? At the hexagon. <laughs> not, the, not the pentagon. <laughs> okay, what's your most recent published paper? Was it about, about climate change? Yeah, we just wrote a paper together about sea level rise and how you can use satellite data to actually do a better job of preparing coastal cities. For Excellent. Rise. Yeah. Which where, is where, where, only where, where, like, most everybody lives. Every major city is, yeah, on, a co- is it's on, on a coast. It's on a, on a body of water. Oh, right. right. And so, what can satellites do for you, right? Okay, but again, it sounds like the the, the seismologist. It's like, here's what to do when the water knocks at your door. Rather, can is there preventative? No. Advice so this in is there? all about how cities uh, can look at you know glaciers in Antarctica and you know Greenland melting now to prepare for what's, for what's happening in the happen future, right? Rather than waiting for the level to actually rise, that you and, have and some early warning. Oh, so you can make predictions yeah, exactly. and anticipate. Got it. That's amazing. Got it. And plus, I'm not thinking about Antarctica or Greenland exactly. when I don't live near them. Right. But their water doesn't carry passports, That's right? right. That's right. That water molecule go wherever, wherever it goes. Yes, exactly. Right? So let's get back to exoplanets. Absolutely. So, so uh, your work uh, for your PhD was what? Thinking about how planets form and how they evolve over time. Oh, formation of exoplanets. Good. Nice. So somebody had to make them. That's right. right. They're not just born whole. No, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, Chuck, you got questions for her. We have them right oh, here. Let's do it. You want to jump right into this? Let's do it. Let's All do it. right. I love this first one. This is Monshell Hicks. And Monshell says, hi, Dr. Tyson. Hi, Anjali. Planets are evaporating? That's it. That's all that it says. I mean, Montreal's got it down. Planets are evaporating, right? right? I mean, we got the Earth, we got exoplanets, right? Because you've got all this gas that we call the atmosphere that's trying to stick to the planet by gravity, but sometimes you got the heat from that star that's enough that it just pulls it off. Well, we're losing, what, helium and what's the other thing? Hydrogen. Hydrogen and helium on a daily basis. Hourly, minute, seconds, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, but not so fast that I should worry about it and make a thing on it. But if... Uh, there's stars that get brighter or more luminous, and they're gas-rich right. planets. So they, how about those big Jupiters that are orbiting close to their host star? Are they evaporating? Yeah, these planets, right, that we call hot Jupiters because they're so close so, in, right? Right, and especially since they've always got one side and often facing the stars, so the same side. Because they're tightly locked. Exactly. Like the moon is tightly locked to us. Right. If you get close to a, a massive source of gravity, 
It's going to lock you right. and only look at one side, just as we did to the moon. The moon is trying to do that to us. Did you know just, that? Just, yeah, just lead us down the wrong path. <laughs> it's just trying to— A new path. A new path. Yeah, don't value judge the path. Yeah. It's just it's just the orbital mechanics of it. Come on, we're going over here. Come on, why you welcome? I'm just saying. Let's go over here. So the moon is trying to slow us down, so right. we only show the same face to it. Yeah, right. that's why we throw in leap seconds every now and then to make up for that. But anyhow, so— So wait a minute, with the evaporation, because I'm concerned about Earth, to be honest, uh, what's going to happen first? Well, our atmosphere, which I understand from Neil, is like thinner than the skin of an apple, okay? It's thinner than the skin of an apple. Will that evaporate before the sun expands and kills us all? <laughs> or what's going to happen first? All right, Chuck, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's a lot of things that I'll scare you with. This isn't one of them, okay. right? So the idea is that you will have this atmospheric escape is what they call it because your atmosphere is literally escaping the planet happening more and more in the future as the sun gets brighter, but it's not all going to go away before then. So you're, you're so, safe. Okay, so... You're right. good. And we'll be you crawling were... around the surface of the earth trying to breathe. Right, stay <laughs> low. <laughs> like, like you're in a fire. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll just so you can breathe. Well, I think you're going to want to, you know, go up towards the poles or something like that. The equator's not going to look so hot. Oh, okay. Or maybe it is going to look so hot. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Well, you already got this planned out. You have to join a Santa Claus. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. 
PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. All right, what else we got, Chuck? All right, Harry, this is TJ Show, who says, Hi, TJ here from Winnipeg, Canada, eh? Um, he does not I, have that in there. No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do not. Okay. Okay. It says, uh, thanks for taking my question. Hello, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tapathy, and Lord Nice, longtime listener, and new Patreon here. Um, my question is about intelligent life. If there are roughly 10 million unique organisms on Earth, 99% of all species that have ever existed are extinct, and we are only the, the only intelligent species out of all of that. Questionable, let me say, <laughs> questionable. Big assumption. Uh, big assumption. <laughs> Uh, then doesn't that mean that the likelihood of there being intelligent life on a newly discovered habitable world is about one in a billion? Oh, I like that. Okay, so there He's you fast, go. Fast back of the envelope math back there. Back of the envelope math there. Yeah. So he says, yeah. So, in other, and then he goes on, our galaxy might be teeming with life, but intelligent life could be extremely rare. So let me let me recast that in another way. So if you, if you have a dark, if you have all the, so his Earth, there's this one branch of vertebrates coming out of fish right. that became great apes. Right. Okay. I know some apes, but not all of them are great. Well, no, some of them were just not so great. Apes. <laughs> so, and one thin branch of that are the humans. Anything could have stopped that. Right. The, the asteroid not taking out the dinosaurs would have disrupted the mammals from ever even quote ascending to where to we, where are, we are. are. Just, just sheer luck. Exactly. Okay. Bad luck, dinosaur. So. If this is just one branch out of the tens of millions of life forms, if you have tens of millions of Earths, close your eyes and throw a dart. Really? Most of them will just have life like, like we got like here. Just life, but it just will life. not be a developed. So react to that, please. I'm just saying I'm not smart enough to know what else is out there in the universe and certainly not the numbers of that. So I think, you know, if we're being honest, do we know if there's life out there? I don't know. Do I hope there's life out there? Heck yeah. Do I hope it's intelligent? Heck yeah. But the number's okay, one take, in a billion? Let's take the intelligence out. Okay. okay. Now, the fact it's is... It's already out. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let's factor that out. What is the likelihood of just life? I don't care if it's single-celled life. I don't care if it's just, you know, like, uh, you know, some type of uh, bacteria, amoebas, whatever. What is the likelihood of that happening, seeing as how 
you know, the same building blocks that we have here are, are, are everywhere. Yeah, plus it happened pretty quickly on Earth. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, we're only 4.5 billion years old, and we got to the life part pretty damn quickly. I mean, there's planets everywhere, right? Like, every star has planets. And so if you think about it, we've got so many planets, so many balls of rock are probably amongst those planets. Chances are good you had the conditions for life, right? Uh -huh. And you know, water, some energy, those things seem like they're out there. So I think the chances are good. But again, one in a billion, I don't know if it's that slim. Yeah, plus we're not even limited to rocky planets anymore because there's some there's some good moons. There are some great right. moons. That habitable nice worlds, moons. Yeah, right? Yeah, not yeah, just exactly. the habitable it's planets. Habitable worlds, not just planets. Yeah, yeah. yeah world. Forget planet, non-planet. Yeah, have world. Yeah, world. Okay. Yeah. And then we get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like even even like a ice, well, what would be like an ice world like Enceladus? Or yeah, you got that underneath. water underneath, right? Yeah, yeah but yeah. that could happen, right? Like, okay. Totally happen. All right. All right, here we go. This is Dylan, and Dylan says, Greetings, everyone from Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. I'm taking undergraduate astrophysics courses and learning about spectro uh, spectroscopy. Thank you. Spectroscopy. Spectroscopy. Yes. I can't. God, got it. it always gets me. And an other amazing methods of how to find and characterize planets. What, ha what has been the best method so far to find planets and what possible new methods are being thought up? So let me, let me focus that down and have you tell us, we're now using spectroscopy to study the atmospheres yeah. of these planets. So what's coming out of that? I mean, it's amazing that when you get just the right configuration, that you've got the star and the planet passes in front of it, and you're looking at that, some of the light goes through that atmosphere wow. of that planet from the star and gets to us. And so we can actually see some of those chemicals in that atmosphere. That's amazing. So, we see so the chemicals are, are, are disrupting, really the clean path of light exactly. from the star, Amazing. and that disruption shows up in the spectrum. They were like putting their fingers on there, getting those yeah, finger fingerprints. Burns, yeah. right? So what are you looking for? So we've seen carbon dioxide with the James Webb Space Telescope, which is okay. pretty cool, That's right? Pretty first cool. time we've seen that on another exoplanet. All right. Okay, what else? Uh, right, all kinds of other compounds, right? We get water, Okay, right? sure. Water molecule, yeah. yeah. Right, and you got some good things in there. And so all kinds of configurations of oxygen and carbon and hydrogen that you're thinking about. One of them, about. methane. Methane yeah, is pretty great, right? right? You get methane there too? Have There's, you seen it yet? There is methane about on the planets, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. That would be evidence of? Uh, farts. <laughs> it can be, it can be. All right, keep going, That Jeff. is so cool. This is uh, Cesar. Oh, by the way, just to, just to bring closure to that, to say that the boring, obvious fact, so many of these planets were discovered. Exactly. Were discovered just by their spectra. Right, and by transits, right? That you looked at the light and you saw it blinking, and that's just because something kept going around right. at that light of the star. Right, and the transit is the planet going in front of the exactly. star's light, rocking right. the star's light. It's just like when we have eclipses where you block out the whole face of the star, but here it's just a fraction of it, right? So, so we talk about... Yeah, in fact, solar eclipses are really transits. Yeah, yes. Yeah. We're that talking is, about the transit because, of Mercury and Venus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mercury transit, Venus transit, it's a moon transit. That's right. Um, and, and an eclipse, technically, astronomically, is just object moving into the shadow of another object. Okay. So a total solar eclipse, really, we shouldn't use the term eclipse, but we do. All right. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, this is Cesar Erno, who says, Hello, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tripathi. Is the James Webb Space Telescope used to look Four exoplanets. Heck yeah. Okay. So why don't we just zoom in on some exoplanets see, and get high quality? She's NASA. She said, heck yes. Heck yeah. Heck. We heard that. Heck. No, let me hear it real. You're, you're in New York City. You're in Manhattan. Say that right. F*** yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think you can beat that. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, Chuck, Chuck wins that. I'm sorry. Chuck <laughs> <laughs> 
That was just too New York. I couldn't. <laughs> that was, help that was, that was, that's a long bleep that's on that one. Okay. <laughs> no, I think if I had the T-shirt instead of "I love New York," it would be "I love GWST," right? For right. the X planets. Oh yeah, yeah. James yeah. Webb Space Telescope. So, so the so I thought it would only be looking closer at exoplanets we've already discovered. Is it? Is there a discovery mode? There are discoveries too, yeah. How does it do that? I mean, it actually captures pictures where you see that there's uh, planets in the frame. Wow. Without knowing that in advance. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So he said, why don't we just zoom in and get some high-quality images? That's what it's doing. I mean, that's exactly what that's you what just it's said doing. it's doing. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait, so you see the, the host star and you see the planet. You get, you get a hint of the planet being there. A hint of the planet. You get a little, little right. dip of tea, right? Dip of planets. But I mean to, you know... Wait, wait. Can JWST block the light of the, the bright star so that it's... it's there is no coronagraph on JWST. Coronagraph. Right? So a coronagraph is the part that, you know, it's like sunglasses for your telescope to okay. block out the light. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, the question of can we zoom in on planets there? You know, James Webb is looking at different patches of sky. And if there are planets in there, that's great. But it can't look at just any part of the sky and say, zooming in deeper and deeper because planets don't give off a lot of light. They're just reflecting their starlight, which is so faint that you don't see it most of the time. Yeah, got you. All right. All right, this is Gavin Bamber, who says, hello from North Vancouver, where plant life flourishes. And he's not lying. That's, that's a that's a <laughs> northern very Ooh, it's so green up there. Really? Yeah. Oh, you can go green blind up there. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. He says, once we find plant or animal life on other planets, uh, oh, will we be able to eat it? Or like can we that. tell if we're able to eat it? Or for Chuck, will we be able to smoke it? <laughs> oh, that's a question for you, Chuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, did he say that? Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yeah, I swear to God. He no, said, he or for Chuck, we, will we be able to smoke it? But Okay, so let me ask that. Ask this. So, do, can we only, I don't know how much biology you know, mm -hmm. um, but can we process organic matter that has a different DNA from us? Like, our DNA is right-handed, like it spirals this way, yep. uh, like clockwise looking up. A double helix. It, yeah, but in principle, you can have DNA doing the other direction. Right. It's, it's, the chemistry shouldn't matter. Right. Right? Except we don't. And all those people's skin is on the inside of their body. <laughs> That's how all their organs are on the outside. They are so messy looking. So what, what, what is the scholarship on just the digestibility of life forms that are not native to Earth? A researcher doesn't eat and tell, Neil. A researcher doesn't eat and tell? <laughs> yeah. oh I don't know why that got me. <laughs> but I mean, I would say, you know, would you want to though, right? Because I mean, there's so many things that you're like, oh, that cheese doesn't look quite right. I don't know if I want to eat that. Now you're going... I just found this out there. I foraged for some wild. Yeah, wildlife. yeah, yeah. That's like, that that funny. Tasty. There's a whole lot of stuff on Earth you know not to eat. Now you that desperate to eat aliens? Right. I'm just saying. Would you want? Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? 
Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself and no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So this is Daniel L. Thompson. This is Howdy, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tripathi, and Sir Nice. Uh, and that's Lord Nice. Uh, he says, uh, <laughs> "Lord is above, sir." Uh, Lord, exactly. Yeah, Lord is totally like, why, above, why sir. Why would you demote me? Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes, uh, "I'm Daniel from uh, high school in the uh, AF uh, JR ROTC, um, a junior Air, Air Force Reserve Officer Training Corps." Good for you, buddy. Nice. Um, he says, "For t- for potential habitable planets, has there been a minimum and maximum size or density to define what would be survivable for humans like uh, to live?" I like that. Uh, yeah. And P.S. Chuck, you're welcome for the easy name. Well, thank you, Daniel. And I, but you can't take credit. I'm gonna thank your parents for that. <laughs> but anyway. Is there, I mean, I, I suppose planet sizes and other pressure, atmospheric pressure or gas planets, whatever, all those things would have a... There was a movie, The Space Between Us, where someone grew up on Mars. A, a, an astronaut got pregnant on the night before the launch. Yeah. And it takes nine months to get to Mars. Right. And NASA had to hide that information. So she gave birth on Mars and no one knew about it. And then the kid came back to Earth and it was like... <laughs> 
That's and pretty cool. He had a hard time breathing. Yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, all the things he was used to on to Mars, Mars, his muscles couldn't handle it. But he was still alive. It didn't kill him. So do you have any thoughts on survivability of, of low or high gravity? I mean, I'm a big fan of Earth, right? So like looking for planets like right. Earth, because, you know, I like being able to jump up and down rather than Jupiter. I don't know. Jump up. Where are you going next, right? Right, right. right. And, uh, you know, having that nice solid surface. So, you know, something sort of the size of Earth is nice and cozy. We seem to do okay. Oh, wait, so your point is, if it's much more massive than Earth, it's not a rocky planet. It's yeah, gaseous. You're getting gaseous. Because it kept all of its gas. Right, yeah. Okay, so that's that's out. The upper end of that's upper out. Upper end's out. Okay. I don't know how low we can go, right? Because we've got moons mm-hmm. that are possibly good places to live, right? Well, our moon is one-sixth gravity. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, that's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. You're going to get some help. But you don't want right? to get used to it and then come back say, to Earth. Yeah, I mean, three generations later, you know, you have the bone density of a marshmallow. <laughs> but, but you've got the space suit, right? That, you know, it's a souvenir, right? All I got was this lousy space suit, right? When I came. <laughs> you're not going to be buying for my souvenir shop anytime no. soon, are you? Gonna... All right, I understand. It's okay. So, I mean, I think, you know, down on the lower end, it's hard to say how low you can go. It is interesting, though, that when we look out at exoplanets, we find some where... There are these little planets that actually end up just getting evaporated away. So instead of their atmospheres being all that evaporates, you got just like crumbly planet going off oh, into wow. space. Whoa. Right? So you got the wrong conditions there. So it's not just the size of the planet. It's how close it is to the star right. and everything else it's feeling. So It probably feels tidal forces that will disrupt if you get structurally the right, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. but when, when they say super-Earths, we've heard this. That's right. Bigger among exoplanets. Super, how, how big is super? Bigger than Earth, smaller than Neptune, right? It's not like anything we've got in the solar system. So you think like, that's ah, in between. It's so you might super. be two, twice your twice. gravity, right. something like that. Could about do, right? Times. We talk about it in terms of the radius of it. Right. So how's the size of it? Because uh-huh. the super Earth, right? It could have a surface. It could be a little bit more puffy. Okay, but so how big a radius compared to Earth if it's a super Earth? Depends on your definition, right? It's a few times. A few times, yeah. yeah. Okay, a few times. But that's pretty okay. big. That's pretty big, no, no, right? So normally when people yeah. think of, oh, it's twice the size, but... If you can range 10 and 100 times bigger, yeah. a factor of two is just friendly. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> I mean, we have a poster that we made of people skydiving on a super Earth because they thought, oh, that'd be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be falling faster. I personally don't think a it would be faster. fun. Yes. But our art team thinks it's great. Yeah, and no, I, okay. you know, I think that's great. Yeah. But, you know, there was also the question in there of the density, right? And I definitely want to be on that ball of rock rather than that ball of gas like Jupiter definitely. because I like having a surface. You like to want to land somewhere. Okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And so, but what if, or c- could you tell this, like when they, when we retrieved, uh, you know, part of the asteroid, mm-hmm. right? We were able to do so because we put the, uh, the drill down in a place where we knew it was crumbly rock. So what if we know that it's a super Earth, but it's kind of made of that kind of that composition of crumbly rock? I mean, I would love to get to that point, right? Right now, I'm just like, it weighs this much. It seems this big. Yeah, divide yeah, I, some I, numbers. I don't right? think like, that's a real thing. Really? Yeah, because if it's big enough and has a strong enough gravity, right, it'll, it'll impact it'll, the fire. It'll, it'll, right. It'll, right. It'll condense. The problem with the asteroids, they don't have much gravity. Right. So, they, and so, right. so they're like loosely, Absolutely. they're loose. Plus, the, it didn't drill. It was a touch and go. It was right. It was bang. It and then it shoot. sucked up. It, it what was, grabbed whatever whatever came up, up inside in of it. Yes. Right. And they were ready for just a couple of ounces. Yeah. They got the half a pound. Right. Half right. a pound. So they were good. But no, they, you're, you're right. The gravity makes it a bit. That, that makes sense. All right. We got time for like one and one, a half more questions. All right. One more. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, let me see. Okay. Let's go with Andrew Nisker. And Andrew says, hello from Flesherton, Ontario. Can you please explain the different types 
of biomarker gases. How will the next generation of telescopes enhance our ability to study exoplanets? Guess that's two separate questions, but hey, I'm always looking up, so I have to ask lots of questions. Nice. So picking up on the earlier question, you mentioned uh, water molecule, uh, methane, and carbon dioxide. Right. But is there like the greatest hits of what would reveal life on the on the on the surface? I mean, there's so many different ways that we can search for exoplanets with life, right? Those signatures, right? We call them biosignatures or technosignatures. We even want to go a little further afield. And so the fact that, you know, you could look for pollution on a planet. That'd right? be a technosignature. That well, depending on how you count it. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. But I mean, like you look for chlorofluorocarbons, right? From your, you know, hairspray on your right. alien world. Okay. You know, that would be a slam dunk for life, even though it's not one of the things we've historically always studied. Right. 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 These sorts of things. And so, you know, signatures like methane. Wait, wait, so if they're chlorofluorocarbons, they're idiots. <laughs> but they're idiots we can see, right? No, no like, sign of intelligent life there. Exactly. They're getting rid of their ozone layer. Which is probably what they're saying about us when they actually see the biomarkers from this planet. <laughs> or the technomarkers <laughs> from this planet. They're like, right, I mean, it's like, if you were really smart, would you want people to see you and find you? Right, right, right. So, so anymore, what's it? Phosphate was one of them? Uh, so phosphine is something oh, phosphine. that people phosphine. have talked about. Excuse me. Possibly, no, no, it's all good. It's mm-hmm. all good. Uh, being detected possibly in Venus and whether that's a sign of life or something else is probably mm-hmm. something else there. But I think there are lots of detections of all of these more complicated molecules, right? Where you start putting things together. That would be there only if you have life on the surface. That could be caused by life, right? right. You know, like the chlorofluorocarbons would only be caused by life. But methane could be common from something else. Something else. Okay. Because you can get naturally occurring methane. methane. Right, yeah. So what about oxygen? Oxygen could be there. It can be, I mean, when you look I don't know how you get oxygen unless somebody's making it, like with plants. I mean, like, look at the history of the Earth, right? For billions of years, we've existed, and we didn't have this much oxygen, oxygen all right. that That's whole time, saying. right? Like, yeah. go back in time. So you not only need to look at that planet and just see what it is, but at this particular moment right, in time. Right, because when I saw the original Star Trek, do, do you remember that the original Star Trek, no one ever wore a spacesuit? No. When they went down on they the They didn't planet. wear a spacesuit? They never wore masks? Right, right. Well, you know why? Because they, they, what they would establish... Uh, oxygen, nitrogen, atmosphere, Captain. Yep. Well, let's go on down. It's a class M planet. Right, right exactly. Breathable so atmosphere. So I'm thinking, oh, if you just look hard enough, you find other oxygen, nitrogen planets. And then I realized later that you're only getting the oxygen from living matter on the planet. It's not just some random mixture right. in the random assortment of planets. Somebody's making the oxygen. And on Earth, it's our plant life. Plant life. But I mean, we can also, you know, when you form a planet, you got all kinds of chemistry going on in there and things going into the rocks. And so what goes on in your atmosphere, some of that just happens naturally. Okay. okay. So, so you're going to have to distinguish those that's right. cases. And that's So getting the list is one thing, and then you fight about whether it's biological yeah. or not. Exactly. Right? Yeah, cool. at the yeah. conferences. Yeah, that's, that's good. That was a good question. Chuck, time for one half a question. Oh, my God. Let's see. Let's go with Captain James Riley, who says, Hello, everyone. Texas here. Is there a most common atmospheric composition out there among rocky planets? I like that. That's related to that last question. Related, related I, to the I last love question. that question. I think in the last question, he asked about the telescopes, and I think the answer is we need more data, right, to answer this because we haven't been able to tell the atmosphere. I'm not allowing you to cop out and just say we need more data. No, you no, talk but, to me. No, Give me. But I mean, I think that's the thing is that so many of these things, because if it's a cloudy day, you can't see what's going on underneath, right? You see clouds, you see like water vapor up there, right? So there's so many of these systems where you think like, hey, I need this new new telescope. Okay, so of all the planets where we know anything about their atmosphere, is there an emergent common uh, list? I think I it's kind of like the zoo, right? There's some common things, like there's all those things with tails, so there's all those things with oxygen, there's all those things with carbon. 
And methane, right? It's the sort of thing that we haven't seen enough to be able to say this is the most common thing yet. So not yet. So like the zoo, you have animals yeah. with tails, animals with four legs. And, and with, things with wings, right? Like it's just, okay, so you the, start the blunt, classifying them. The blunt, you start blunt. Right. Sure. I think what it means is we got to chat more again in a few years and then we can do better. Oh, that means you'll come back. I'll come back. Well, very cool. Yeah. By the way, I understand you have a TED Talk? I do. Yeah, yeah. on? On atmospheric escape. Well, oh, oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm not watching that. I, I, I'm scared to death. But, but you know that how it ends. Well, you know you're safe, right? Know you know how it ends. ends. I'll, I'll die no long before. Yeah. I'm so good. you're the first to model the escape of gas from from atmospheres. Uh, doing that in 3D for these planets. 3D modeling. Yeah. It's a, oh, cool. In the old days, computers weren't fast, and we yeah. didn't have AI. And so you do like 1D modeling and 2D modeling just to approximate the 3D mm -hmm. modeling because you couldn't calculate it. And then when computers get fast enough, and she comes along. I got this 3D, boom, all in. There you go. And it's hard because you're modeling gas. Right, you're just watching it flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This the flow of gas in a computer model. That's not easy. It's not let it go. It's let it flow, right? Right. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. What's, what's, but, yeah, but I mean, what's funny is like, isn't that like gas is, what's that? As it, Gas moves towards entropy. It's just no chaos, right? So what are you... Somewhere in between, right? Because it was starting on the planet in the atmosphere and just blowing off into space. Okay, so that's what you're doing. You're going from where it's, it's very more stable and then right, right, to its instability. Right. There you go. Okay. All right, we good. All right. Chuck, Chuck is good till the next time. <laughs> I'm feeling better. You feel a little better. I'm feeling, I'm I'm feeling better. better. I mean, you got to be feeling totally better. Right? <laughs> so, Anjali, thanks for... Coming up about the start. Thanks for having me. We'll continue to follow your career. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, there's still a few more presidents you can yeah, work for. Exactly. You know, don't, don't slouch. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you got to get back in the White House. So yeah. We, yeah. I mean, I'm the exoplanet ambassador, though, right now, right? So you got to go visit those exoplanets, oh, you, too, eventually. You have an ambassador title. Oh, yeah. No, I'm NASA's exoplanet ambassador. Oh, sweet. Oh, my God. That's very really cool. So, so do you speak at the UN? I speak for the State Department. The Galactic UN. Oh, that's yeah. That's there you go. Get this week. That's oh, oh, so when the aliens come, we, when they say, take me to our leader, I'll say, well, we have an ambassador. We, we have, have an do. ambassador. Is that good enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we say, we ain't taking you to our leader. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> the ambassador is going to be what you're going to meet. Here. Believe me, yes. It will, it will be a scientist or Taylor Swift. <laughs> the doctor will see you now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck in your continued you so career and your, your ambassadorship. And we'll, we'll want a full update. All right. Sounds as, good. As more exoplanets show up and more aliens visit. Okay. We'll be first on the list. All right. Nice. All right. Good. This has been Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysics. Chuck, thanks for always for a being pleasure. there. All right. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. 
connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.